Welcome to the Big O Show. Hey, feeling good, like I should. When in Durka, walk around the neighborhood. Feeling blessed, never stressed. Got that sunshine on my Sunday bed. Hello and welcome back to the Big O Show podcast. I'm your host as always, Ryan Anka. Be sure to check out the Big O Show every Monday morning for a quick little motivational, inspirational message and then tune back in uh, to the midweek sports update on Wednesday. This is your midweek sports update, so let's go ahead and hop right into things. Starting off with the NFL, I told you guys uh, a couple weeks ago that Hard Knocks was uh, coming back and was going to show two teams, the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers, and uh, so far it's debuted to kind of lackluster results. Uh, without having any preseason games, obviously you still have some cuts and some uh, some players getting cut, that is, and uh, things like that happening. But it's surrounding, you know, COVID protocol and COVID situations, and there's really not a lot of excitement. Um, I, I think it's kind of one of the worst uh, seasons of hard knock so far just because there's not any anything really happening, or at least not to me there hasn't been. Um, but for, like I said, for those football junkies or people that want to see kind of what happens behind the doors, behind closed doors, uh, in an NFL facility, in an in NFL program, uh, just to kind of see what how the workouts go, meetings, how coaches really talk to players, and things like that, it's something cool to check out. We are less than a month away from the start of the NFL season. As I've told you guys before, the first game is uh, Thursday night football. You'll have the Texans, the Houston Texans, that is playing the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. That's usually how the NFL season starts off every year. You have the defending Super Bowl champ usually host a primetime game in some fashion, whether it's a Monday night game, Sunday night game, or in this case, uh, since we started having Thursday night football, um, that's kind of what we have coming ahead. Now, I have not seen uh, if they'll have any fans at this game uh, in Kansas City. Everything I've read and uh, seen so far is that it's going to be a uh, state-by-state basis. Basically, if the governor of that state is okay with you having fans in the stands, then you can have a smaller percentage, a smaller capacity uh, able to see these games. Now, I've told you before uh, that the Raiders in their new mega Death Star-looking stadium in Las Vegas, they can't have fans this year. The uh, the Jets and the Giants in New York can't have fans this year. And then also one of the most highly anticipated matchups of Week 1, you have the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks going to play uh, the New Orleans Saints. That's a 3 o'clock kick on uh, September 13th, but there's going to be no fans there. So a lot of people talk about in the NFL the uh, advantage of a home field advantage, right? Playing in front of your own fans. I think you're going to see that go away. But playing in New Orleans, you know, there's not really a home field advantage anymore without those fans. You're in a dome. It's a neutral environment. The The temperature and the humidity is controlled. It's not like going to play in South Florida or it's not like going to play in Denver or Chicago in the winter where there's still a home field aspect or a feel or an advantage that one team can get over another. So um, we'll see. Uh, something to watch for sure. Uh, my guess is we'll probably have all teams uh, have no fans in the stands, at least for the first couple weeks, and then we'll kind of progress from there. But I think the NFL does not want to be the bad guy here. I think they want to leave it up to the state and government level officials so they can kind of pass the blame game because that's kind of how everyone's been doing this whole situation. No one wants to be the person 
that cancels something or postpones something or pisses off a certain group of people, or in this case, the fans. Uh, so if they can push the blame to the governors of each state, then they'll obviously do that. Also, some uh, big contracts that were uh, negotiated over this past week. You had uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, uh, both tight ends. Um, both teams actually played in the Super Bowl. Uh, George Kittle is the uh, star tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, and then Travis Kelsey is the star tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Kelsey got a four-year extension uh, valued at about $15 million per year, and uh, George Kittle signed a five-year uh, contract for $75 million. Now that's a lot of money, um, especially for tight ends. You know, tight ends are kind of the, uh, the hybrid, uh, player on offense. You know, they do a little bit of everything, you know, they'll be in the backfield in certain situations. They have to block or they're expected to block like an offensive lineman. Then they're supposed to detach and, uh, run routes just as good or close to uh, a wide receiver. And if you have a right one like uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, they can be matchup nightmares because, you know, they're too quick for uh, linebackers and uh, too big for safeties and cornerbacks. So really you don't have anybody uh, that can really match up against them. That's why you look at teams like Seattle and they gave up uh, what they did for safety Jamal Adams from the Jets uh, because they think that he is a bigger, faster safety that can hopefully uh, slow down George Kittle you know, they play them twice a year. They're in the same division with the 49ers, the Seahawks, that is. Uh, so they're hoping that he can kind of be that uh, X factor that can kind of shut him down or at least slow him down. So uh, as a former tight end myself, I love to see that tight ends are finally uh, making a name for themselves and uh, getting money that I think they deserve. Now, typically, there's always been a couple really star-studded tight ends. I mean, you think not even a couple years ago, you had guys like Jason Witten, even Gronk when he was really in his prime, um, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, right? Even going way back to the Kellen Winslow days, there's always been one or two really difference makers at the tight end position. And, uh, you know, you still have that, but it doesn't come along every year like I think it should. All right, before we hop over to any other sports, I want to take a quick little commercial break and tell you about the free Anchor app. If you're interested in making a podcast like I did with The Big O Show, let me tell you about the free Anchor app. It's the easiest way to make a podcast today. They handle all of the distribution for you. All you have to do is worry about recording and editing, and you can do that on your phone or your computer. And like I said, they handle the distribution for you, so they put it on all the major outlets. So it really couldn't be any simpler for that. Um, you can even make money from your podcast if you have a popular one. All you need to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, starting in the NBA, over the past weekend, we had a uh, very special uh, first-time event. You had a uh, NBA play-in game uh, where the Memphis Grizzlies took on the Portland Trailblazers of a 9-8 matchup for the eighth and final spot in the Western Conference. Now, uh, Memphis being the ninth seed, they'd have to win two in a row and Portland only had to win one game in order to advance to the playoffs, and uh, they didn't end up needing two games. Uh, it was a very uh, hard-fought, very entertaining game to watch, uh, but the Portland Trail Blazers uh, pulled away late uh, in large part thanks to uh, Damian Lillard, and then Carmelo Anthony even came in and hit a clutch uh, shot to kind of seal their fate. So the Portland Trail Blazers advance uh, to the first round of the playoffs to play the uh, L.A. Lakers, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. 
But talking about the uh, play-in game, uh, you had the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, come out and say that he really liked it, and I do too. Um, I think it's it's something fun. It adds a different element. Obviously, I think it was definitely needed uh, this year due to the pandemic. But I, you know, I think it can add some excitement late in the year, especially for those teams that aren't complete dumpster fires that are trying to tank for the lottery. It gives them something to fight for. It gives them a chance. It gives them a puncher's chance, right? You've heard that expression before. It gives them an opportunity to do something and, uh, you know, maybe shock someone. Give it gives it kind of a March Madness feel, if you will. You know, if you did like it, it does look like something that the NBA is going to at least explore. Like I said, the uh, Portland Trailblazers are uh, in the playoffs. They play the L.A. Lakers. So what you have in the Portland Lakers matchup, you have uh, Portland is the number one offense in the bubble, but also the worst defense in the bubble. So kind of an anomaly. They're two ends of the spectrum. Uh, the last time you had uh, uh, the last time you had a team like that uh, matchup with a uh, one seed was uh, in 2007. You had the Mavs play the Golden State Warriors, uh, and if you guys remember, obviously 2007 was pre uh, Curry. And uh, if you watch the NBA at that time, that was like the Baron Davis-led uh, Golden State Warriors. Well, anyways, they came in and uh, upset uh, the Dallas Mavericks that year. And a lot of people are expecting, or I wouldn't say expecting, a lot of people are anticipating that that could actually happen this year with how um, poorly offensively the Lakers have played in, inside the bubble um, and how great the uh, Trailblazers look. A lot of people are thinking that is like the number one upset to predict. And I could see it. Um, you know, I'm a little biased, just complete transparency here. I am a huge uh, LeBron James fan, and I think he's kind of saving himself being a veteran player, being 35, right? I think he knows when to pick his spots, and I think he knew in those seeding games it wasn't time to uh, kind of flex his muscles and really push himself, right? Uh, so we'll see. I could be wrong, and the Trailblazers could come in hot. You know, there's two ways to look at it. The Portland Trailblazers have been playing for their uh, life, right? They've been playing like crazy. Every game's been a playoff game, and the Lakers have been in cruise control. And, uh, you know, that could come in to uh, bite them in the butt. But we'll see. Uh, all the first-round matchups are uh, best of sevens, and uh, we'll see if there's any uh, upsets. So that was the number one uh, pick, at least from Vegas' standpoint, as far as people picking upsets. Uh, the second one that you'll see... Uh, which I don't really consider an upset. You have uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, led by Chris Paul, um, upsetting the Houston Rockets. Now, why I say I don't think it's an upset, that's a 4-5 matchup. You see a 5 beat a 4 every now and then, um, but nobody really bats an eye. Um, while I think, actually, the Thunder are probably favorited in this matchup is in large part because Russell Westbrook, um, although I know he wants something to prove, he has a, a quad injury, and he's going to miss the first couple games. So I think that's going to just disrupt the rhythm of the Houston Rockets and really, um, you know, mess them up potentially uh, and give uh, the Thunder a chance to actually not sweep, but uh, I think win easily. I could easily see uh, the Thunder winning in five games, maybe six games. So that's kind of my bold prediction there. I could be wrong. Like I said, it was just kind of something I feel from what I'm watching. So like I said before, the Clippers are the favorite according to Vegas, followed by the Bucks, Lakers, and Raptors. So we will see. It's exciting times, but we finally made it to the playoffs, so full speed ahead.
jumping over to baseball now, I think you're really starting to see uh, certain teams separate. It is exciting. You know, it's still a 60-game sprint, uh, but I think you're seeing those deep pitching staff teams uh, actually really starting to separate and uh, string some wins together and uh, start to really, you know, hit their stride. But the uh, one elephant in the room that no one really wants to address is the fact uh, that there's been 32 games uh, postponed so far and 12 teams that have had games that have been affected by this whole pandemic and the fact that they don't have a bubble. Uh, most noteworthy, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more in detail, is the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Now, you had the Miami Marlins. They had their situation, but they've kind of weathered through that, and they've uh, actually been playing good baseball so far. But you have a team like the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and you're almost to the point to where you have to kick them out of the league um, at this point. You know, you know, from July 31st to August 14th, they played zero games. Uh, and they're going to play 23 games in 19 days with zero days off in the next 14 days. So you talk about uh, full speed ahead and, you know, hope that they don't get injured. And, you know, that's a tall task to ask anybody to do, but especially in a shortened season where they're not going to have a break. You know, they have 19 days, uh, like I said, to play 23 games, zero days off. But then they turn around and play like the next day, they have a six-day stretch. So really you're looking at their playing uh, almost 30 games in a 30-day stretch. So I don't think that's conducive long-term. Obviously, I think they'll have a lot of injuries. And, you know, what quality product are you actually putting out on, out there on the field? Also, starting uh, September 5th through the 25th, they're going to be playing seven doubleheaders. Obviously, they shortened the doubleheaders, like I said before, to seven-inning games. So that helps a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, you're not only punishing the Cardinals here. You're punishing all the teams that are playing the Cardinals having to play back-to-back games, double-headers here, double-headers there. And I know it's not 100% um, the Cardinals' fault that there's a pandemic, but it is the Cardinals' players' fault for putting themselves in situations that made them more uh, vulnerable and uh, caused like an outbreak within their team. So now not only the Cardinals, but other teams, like I said so far, 12 teams have already had to suffer because of that. So I don't think it's fair. Uh, It's another thing to watch. I think uh, they're towing the line here with uh, the possibility of them being able to finish the season, the Cardinals, but also baseball on itself. You know, if we have a couple more outbreaks like the Cardinals, I think they're going to have to either uh, pause the season, if not cancel it. You know, nobody wants that, but uh, like I said, I think it's something that is uh, very real. And lastly, jumping over to the NCAA. Uh, So far, we are full speed ahead at uh, the start of the season, especially for three of the Power Five conferences. Now, if you haven't heard, uh, the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are still playing football. Now you have the Pac-12 and the Big 10 kind of partnered together, and they have opted out for the 2020 season. Now they have postponed their season. They did not cancel their season. That's a commonly confused uh, thing or term that a lot of people are, uh, like I said, misinterpreting. A lot of people are wondering, hey, since they canceled their season, are you going to have players transfer from a a Big 12 school or a Pac-12 school to an SEC, an ACC, a Big 10 school? Well, that's not going to happen in this situation. They didn't cancel their season. They just postponed it. Now, in postponing their season, what they also do is um, block teams such as a Nebraska, an Iowa, an Ohio State, a Michigan from leaving their conference or division for one year 
they would be in breach of a contract. There's millions of dollars at stake. And these conferences obviously don't want to lose uh, these big schools. So they were smart about it. I'm sure they talked to lawyers and everything else. Um, so that's just one thing I wanted to clear up. You know, they didn't cancel the season. They postponed it. Now, what I think they can do is cancel it in the springtime and just say, oh, you know, boo-hoo, so sad. Uh, we didn't think we were going to, but here we are. And then those players in that situation are really going to be SOL. Uh, but they wanted to protect uh, their brand, their conference long term, and that's why they didn't cancel the season. They postponed it. You know, we are only about two weeks away from the first weekend in uh, college football. Obviously, you have uh, the Power 5 schools. Like I said, now I guess it's just the Power 3. Um, but they have games playing uh, September in the September 26th, somewhere in that range, right? But you also have uh, the group of five uh, schools that are still playing. Uh, they start games actually the uh, first weekend in September, September 3rd. Uh, so we got football. It's right around the corner, um, actually a week before the NFL comes back. Uh, so I'm really uh, excited and looking forward to that. Uh, the last thing I want to touch upon in the NCAA is just to outline uh, that the presidents of these universities deemed that they needed to postpone fall athletics and football, not the athletic directors. Obviously, the athletic directors want to play. Um, but these presidents were the ultimate decision makers. And then yeah, I, even since some of these colleges have opened up um, their doors to allow students back, I think that's going to be the ultimate domino, right, to see how that falls. If you have uh, students on campus following social distancing rules, wearing masks, and obeying you know, local, local laws, I think there's a chance that college football can pull this off. Uh, but if this past weekend was any indicator as to what's to come, I don't think it's going to be good. You know, you had uh, Auburn football players, Alabama football players um, take to Twitter to talk about um, how many hundreds of students were out downtown at bars, not wearing masks, kind of grouping up, seeing each other because obviously they've been away and they want to catch up. Um, but they're not practicing social distancing. And this was before school even started. School just started for those those uh, two schools, Alabama and Auburn, on Monday. So I saw you also had the Alabama AD and the president of Auburn uh, come out and say, you know, hey, if you want football, you have to follow these rules. But I don't know how many of these college kids are going to ultimately do that. You know, a lot of them think they're invincible. A lot of them think they're not vulnerable to this stuff. And a lot of them... Uh, quite frankly, are just being selfish in this situation. So hopefully um, they can wake up. Hopefully this doesn't become an issue long term. But like I said, right now, it does not look good. We'll see what's to come. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully uh, people start to realize, especially right when we hit that first week in September, how important it is uh, not only to have football, but how important it is to have sports in general. The kind of energy and the kind of excitement that brings and just positive um, energy it just revitalizes the the city the town the school wherever it's at if it's at a high school if it's at a college professional level um, I think this pandemic showed us that we need sports sports are not the end-all be-all obviously I get that but I think they play a huge 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 role and I think a lot of people have been suffering um, from sports deprivation and that's not to make light of uh, people's health. Obviously, that's the number one thing in this situation. But as an avid sports fan, I love that it's back. I want to keep it back. So please do your part. Wear a mask, social distance, 
um, so we can have sports and so we can continue to take steps in the right direction to get back to our normalcy. So uh, that's it. That's all I got for your midweek sports update. Thank you guys for tuning in. Now go out and make today the best day of your life. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for checking out the Big O Show podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please rate, subscribe, and share the podcast with a friend. If you find any value in it, or if you think a friend uh, could really benefit from hearing any of the sports knowledge or motivation or any of the interviews that I do along the way, I greatly appreciate your support as always. If you haven't done so already, check out the Big O Show Facebook page. I've been trying to uh, post more engaging stuff to have a conversation outside of the podcast with you guys and try to push the narrative forward and just kind of see what comes of it. Be sure to check out the Big O Show every Monday morning for your Monday morning motivational message to get your week started off on the right note. And be sure to check out the Midweek Sports Update for all the latest news and headlines happening in and or around the world of sports. And remember, I'm also adding uh, surprise interviews with people in or around the high school, collegiate, and professional level of athletics. So a lot of exciting stuff happening with the podcast and with the Big O Show. Uh, And thank you guys for your support as always. Go out and make today the best day of your life. I'll talk to you guys soon.